0: Do worry about getting caught when I go into the club. I think, ah, oh, me. If I get caught with all this stuff on me,
1: I'm done for. It's a life and death. I can see it in their eyes. If they do not get the job, it's like I'm. I'm thinking about my safety as well. That's why I have a little something from me just in case. It's something that just happens to you. It's the normality of things. I'm seeing guys driving cars and motorbikes, girls, and I'm young and I'm thinking, is this guy a football player? Like, what does he do? Is he oh he's a drug dealer. I wanna be a drug dealer. I wanna live that life. That was basically my role models. That's that's what I was looking up to. to, to,
0: to. going on? I drank with my dad, so now I'm like, whoops, (laughs) what recovery
2: How long did you go with uh before?
0: Like two days.
2: Nice. Hey No
0: wait, I drank yesterday. I had one beer yesterday.
2: Oh it's okay. It's a beer. That's actually if you can get go through a day without having more, if you can just have one beer, that's an accomplishment in my book.
0: Yeah, it was pretty good. And I didn't smoke any weed at all.
2: Do you get cross-faded at all when you combine weed and booze?
0: Uh, I, sometimes. If I've been drinking for ages and then I think it's a good idea to smoke, like, two or three joints, I just pass out. But, like, I had a time at university once where, where my first degree that I dropped out of. I went, after a lecture, I went and drank loads of red wine. And then I was like, I'd only just started smoking. And I was like, these there were these two girls that I thought were really cool. So I was like, hey, we should go smoke a joint at my house. And I had like half. And then I like started proper like blacking out. And I was like leaning against the cupboard in the corner. And my other housemate, Max, well, a housemate, Max, was like leering at me in my face like oh you're so high <laughs> and then we got into my room and as soon as I got in my room I passed out and smacked my head on my desk and like oh, no. was literally dead to the world for like about 15 minutes and they would they'd put me on my pajamas they were about to call the ambulance and then I woke up and I was like hey what's going on and they were like <laughs> oh my god we thought you were dead <laughs> It was pretty bad, but I, yeah. I tend to be quite good at mixing substances because I, I know my limits now to an extent.
2: Well, that's good. I mean, at least, you you know, you, you just got to listen to your body. And, you know, I usually didn't do that. But I think with my experience, if I drank first and then smoked, I, it usually turned out bad. But I smoked yeah. weed all day, every day. Um. So, usually started with weed right when I woke up, and then, you know, I'd drink later in the day. But like, you know, when I was um managing like all these medical marijuana dispensaries, like my my boss and the owners would make me smoke weed. Like they'd be like, (laughs) "Here, take this dab." And we we had a shop in Venice, even, and I'd just be just obliterated twenty four (laughs) seven. Like one time, um, that
0: is the life.
2: Oh, it was, yeah, it was, was so much fun. Um, I remember uh, the like the day before, or a couple of days before I got arrested and got like hit with a felony intent to distribute for medical weed, I was driving up north to my parents' house from L.A., and we were smoking weed, or, I mean, maybe I was just smoking weed. I was with my girlfriend <laughs> at the time, and I was smoking weed, and someone had seen me on the freeway and called the cops. And so a CHP, a California Highway Patrol, comes and pulls me over. And he's like, You've been smoking weed? And I was like, I just like played it off. Like, no, I was just ashing out the, the my pipe. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they did like a field sobriety test. And I showed him my, my doctor's rec- like note saying I could smoke weed. And he was like, He's like, what if your boss knew what you were doing?
1: <laughs> I'd be like,
2: my boss makes me smoke weed. I work at a dispensary. Like, what are you talking about? And he was like, he was all flustered. He was like, well, just, just get out of here, kid. He was pissed off. I
0: never want to see your face again.
2: Yeah. I don't want to see your face around. The- it's like, dude, I'm in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <He was passing laughs> it's just crazy. So, um, oh, I forgot to ask, um, alias, no alias. What do you prefer?
0: I'll
2: be Eve Lloyd, Eve Lloyd. That's awesome. Um, (laughs) So, you know, um, can you just briefly give a quick background where you're from? Maybe just a little bit about your your upbringing, uh, you know, partying days or what led you to like, how your party days evolved? And maybe what it's like where you live? Because You know, a lot of listeners, I mean, I myself, I mean, pre-warning, I'm a a naive, childish, uneducated American. (laughs) That makes two
0: of us, (laughs) apart from the Americans.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just, uh, if you could, uh, just give a little background. So, you know, I guess the, whatever, the squad can get to know you a little bit.
0: Cool. So, yeah, I'm Eve. Um, I'm from Southeast England. Kind of near London, but not near enough to say that I'm actually from London. Mm-hmm. Um, my partying days kind of started with like New Year's at a family friends party where I would witness my dad binge drink. Actually, I witnessed my dad binge drink pretty much every week for my whole life. So it's kind of been the norm from day one. And then when I was about 13 or 14, I was allowed to join in the parties. So we'd have like YouTube parties where we'd just sit in his office because he works at home. So it's like there's no real separation from work life and home life in my house because, you know, the main breadwinner is here all the time. Uh And drink was pretty much, I think, his bridge to relaxing. So we'd sit there and like put on like Pink Floyd and weird stuff, the Bee Gees and not weird, but he's very into sort of psychedelic and uh rock music so nice. that would be like I kind of, kind of sort of bonding moments were just a couple of glasses of red wine for me and about three bottles for him and <laughs> yeah it was like relaxation and mum would be in bed so we could kind of say what we wanted and he would like lecture me on a lot of stuff now that I see as bullshit but
2: <laughs> like what I, I'm intrigued
0: um it was a lot of like political and social commentary mainly and oh, okay. uh he's a writer so he was sort of not I don't know he was just trying to guide me towards a path to achieve a career of the caliber of his which I'm still very far away from I'm 22 now so kind of I'm just at uni, chilling, trying not to be a full-time addict, but failing miserably. (laughs) And, yeah, so drinking started when I was pretty young. And then when I got to, like, 14, I smoked weed for the first time. And I was like, yep, this is nice. (laughs) But I couldn't get my hands on it for a while because it's not legal here, obviously. But then when I was 16, I, I always wanted to be sort of one of the lads. I always felt very masculine. I think because I had such a close relationship with my dad, I was like, yeah, I need to embody this. That makes
2: sense, yeah.
0: Yeah, I then like sought out groups that were also binge drinkers and also liked to smoke a lot of cigarettes and a lot of weed. So (laughs) I I kind of inserted myself into those arenas to take advantage of the vast substance abuse. (sighs)
2: Me too. But, I can relate. And my, yeah. I just have to side note, you're not failing miserably. You like you keep your you keep things in check from what, you know, our, our interactions like you don't go full ham. Like,
0: yeah, I can't go full ham because I would fucking die.
2: Like, <laughs> yeah. I well,
0: want to stay uh, on the planet.
2: I, well, yeah. Like, I mean, as long as you can, like, I mean, Ugh, I've had too many close calls, like near death experiences from everything uh, drugs, car crashes, getting stabbed by girlfriends <laughs> or almost dead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it lived a life of excess to the fullest. I'm surprised <laughs> I'm still alive talking to you right now, but at least. Kind I of can... me, too, to be honest. <laughs> well, you know, like, I mean,. I don't know, like, what is it, I mean, I don't know, like, I've, I had a, I've, because I was in the, you know, music industry down here, and I was doing a lot of promotion for, you know, DJs and stuff, and at the time, we, uh, so many people from London and and different parts of Europe were flying out to LA, Mm -hmm. and, and so you know, I'd let them crash on my couch if they, you know, were doing a show and then they'd get me backstage or whatever. So I only got bits and pieces of like culture overseas. But um, I mean, like what drugs are like really popular over there?
0: Uh, It really depends on like the socioeconomic situation of where you are. So I'm from a pretty deprived area, but like, a wealthy family so okay. I'm a bit of an outsider in the community because I don't know I managed I managed to stay out of all of the hard stuff but where I am there's a lot of crack and heroin which people seem to think is only an American thing but it's really not like you can get it anywhere
1: yeah. and
0: weeds everywhere the people that I was associated with and still I'm associated with to be fair are very into psychedelics so when like research chemicals were a big thing. Um, when I was like 18, 19, I had a group of friends in Birmingham where I went to uni for a bit. I think I said that, but mm-hmm. yes. Um, <laughs> we could get like 40 tabs of one PLSD for <clears throat> pretty cheap on like just the clear net, like not even normal dark net shit. This was yeah. like you could just get it off like, brand- I think actually. <laughs> I remember getting modafinil from a website called modafinilcat.com and it was just like so easy and I saw it as like a well I bought it to try and help with my studies because I was like oh I can't focus I need like research or what they called study drugs Neuro- nootropics nootropics, nootropics yeah yeah and then I would just take them and then just go on a walk and fucking like look at the city and be like wow yeah shit's cool but like <laughs> I'd fully intend to do, like, a whole essay, and then I'd just be like, but the outdoors.
2: Yeah, like, totally get distracted off, like, your scenery. I've done that many a times. (laughs) Even with caffeine, I'm like, oh, I'm going to drink this caffeine, and I'm going to get all this schoolwork done, and then before I know it, I'm, you know, just fidgeting around on something else, and i was just like, fuck, dude, like, I was, it's ridiculous, but.
0: Yeah, it's hard not to get pulled into distractions.
2: Oh no, I'm ADD to the max. So I lose (laughs) my fucking mind. Like, trying to, I have to literally lock myself in a room that's quiet, or else, like, my, like, you know, like, if I'm in some, like, a study hall or somewhere and I hear, like, crosstalk or something, I just pick up on other conversations and I I can't shut Oh my my God. Yeah. Me
0: too. Yeah. I'm like, I've told you before, but I haven't told Nod Squad. Um, I've been diagnosed with drug-induced psychosis twice now, so I'm apparently in an episode at the moment, although I feel like I'm pretty on top of it. And so does my osteopath say that I'm on top of it, so in my mind I'm fine. But when I'm out in public, I just everything that I hear is about me, whether or not they're actually looking at me or thinking about me. If I hear someone say, like, anything degrading or nonsensical, it immediately in my head is... A narrative the way that I've portrayed myself. Mm-hmm. So that then pushes me to want to use more because I'm like, oh, yeah, but if I'm drinking, I won't give a shit about what they're saying about me. Or yeah. if I'm smoking weed, I won't even hear what they say
2: about me. Exactly. Oh, I I always tie everything. I'm like, well, this has got to relate to me somehow. I'm like so full of myself inside when I'm like trying to so not narciss- to be.
0: Narcissism. I'm definitely like low-key a narcissist like half of the time and then the other half of the time i'm just completely self-loathing and wish that i was dead
2: oh yeah it's so it's totally bipolar it's one of these extreme or another it's i either love myself and think i'm the total shit or i despise myself and i'm like why did you do that you're a fucking idiot (laughs) like why
0: were you even (laughs) fucking born eve
2: yeah yeah like i'm the exact same way i'm like i need to find a balance where i'm like cool with myself but not hating my it's it's i guess it's just part of the addict mentality but yeah it's rough like finding balance with literally everything I do is been the biggest challenge where it's like okay I want to be social but not so social that I'm getting wrapped up and involved in everyone else's like yeah you know shenanigans but then I don't want to isolate so much that I'm like stuck in my own head and it's like with yeah it's just like crazy I just I always take things to whatever extreme and so yeah, I've been noticing too. that. Yeah, it's like been, it's, in, it's fucking insane. Like, I don't
0: know. I remember I went to, I think about two or three months ago, I went to this like garden party, open mic event sort of thing.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: everyone was on whatever they wanted to be on. Most people were drinking. Some people were smoking hash. Some people were smoking weed. I did DMT. Like, I had a really good time. But about halfway through, some girl comes up to me and is like, I think you should drink a glass of water, Eve. And I was like, <laughs> What the fuck, bitch? Like, how dare you? Like, I, just, I don't understand why when you're having a good time and you're not hurting anyone and you're not being, you know, harmful, just, there's always somebody that finds it necessary to come and tell you off for enjoying yourself. And that just always puts it down on the evening. It just makes me think, like, why did I bother coming if there's people like this here?
2: <laughs> yeah, like Captain Buzzkill. The fun police. Yeah. is it? No, yeah, as long as you're not insanely reckless, like... I don't know like I I mean I I like I guess my whole outlook on when I put this silly podcast out it was like okay I'm not gonna tell people to just say no because that never fucking worked with me at least especially yeah people do
0: what they want
2: yeah they're gonna do what they want I'm not gonna like glamorize my lifestyle that I had and say oh yeah you should go shoot up heroin like obviously no it's like how I don't even know how someone would go about glamorizing like meth and heroin use in the first place it's a very unattractive lifestyle Uh, well
0: I did watch Pulp fiction with my dad today, so it's oh definitely God. can be glamorised.
2: <laughs> that's true. But wow that's When I was point. like
0: sixteen, I made a pact with my friend Daniel that I would never touch the golden three as he called it, which was crack, heroin and meth. So I've done pretty well not to touch those.
2: Good, yeah. Keep, keep that's a that's a definitely good golden rule to stick by. I mean, there's I guess there's dangers associated with every drug, especially research. I think research chemicals are fucking horrible. They don't even really have full studies on what the fuck is going on with that. But yeah, Um, I mean, as long as it's used in enough moderation and and someone at least takes enough precaution or does enough reach research about what they're going to experience. Like, I mean. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Like I have such, mixed I think the rule that,
0: yeah. The rule that I was always told as a wannabe drug addict was set and setting. Oh,
2: and that so
0: everyone yeah. just said the people that you're with, the environment that you're in and the amount of trust that you have is going to make or break your experience. So a lot of the times that I've used substances, I've paid very good attention to that rule. But then if there's alcohol involved, it just completely disappears and I don't care where I am. I don't care who I'm with. I just want whatever I can get because it always is. I can maintain a level of balance if I'm sober before I do drugs, but if I've drunk, then it's just completely out the window and I don't give a shit.
2: Yeah, I've noticed the same for myself. And I think the set and setting thing, I mean, for at first for me, it was like in – like it was applicable to uh, – psychedelics mainly because i knew it was such like like psychological dynamite where it's like it can literally just shatter your whole world around you if you're in a dangerous situation and then your brain is perceiving it on such a different like plane but i mean i think that i'm i'm sure that that applies with everything like you know like you don't want to be doing a bunch of drugs in a situation where like shit gets real you know and then you're Mm -hmm. like under the influence and having to like navigate through something where your wits aren't uh, you know f- full cognitive function or maybe i don't know it's just like i i think the brain i mean people even have like the full like research on er- exactly how the brain like operates so like we just have such a small fraction of information so it's like especially yeah. in, in, like different people who have different who like function differently mentally and uh like I've seen some people handle their drugs fine. And then I've seen people like do enough ecstasy or acid to where they're just fried and now they're not yeah. coming back or it like induces a schizophrenic episode in them, mm-hmm. you know, like, Oh my, Oh, I didn't tell you, uh, <laughs> when I was, you know, cause you, you know, I've been at rehab for like four months now Yeah, we had this guy come in and he was ended up being my bunkie. He, he shared a room with me and, um, he was just fried like he did so many psychedelics like he was just he like at first he seemed like he was there but then he was just i after getting to like converse with him i realized he's not all there and uh i like we had the like when we were in the old building um my room had three beds so it was like me and my original bunkie and this new guy and um we would wake up and he would just be sitting at the edge of his bed, staring at the wall and just talking to like the voices in his head. And Shoot. me and my other bunker were looking at each other like, Oh fuck, this is, this is, uh, this is kind what of, what would
0: you talk about? I,
2: he would just like talk, like he was carrying on a conversation like with another person, but it wasn't with either of us cause we we're like trying to sleep. And, yeah. um, the next morning he goes up to my other, like, you know, more sane Bunky and he's like he was like what's up with that shit that you were trying to pull in your sleep last night and he was like my Bunky Chad was like "Uh, what are you talking about what shit was I trying to pull in my sleep I was asleep like you thought I was trying to get one over on you while I'm asleep (laughs) Like, what the fuck and he was like no I saw you You you're trying to pull some shit on me in your sleep and he's like yeah like I just made no sense and then he would like he had this crazy fascination with uh, U.S. currency. So he'd be staring at a dollar bill and he'd go up to us and he'd be like, dude, this dollar bill is so crisp. Check it out, man. And he'd like hang it on the window. And (laughs) I was like, Whoa. And so he ended up uh, getting caught with a phone before I got caught with my phone. And um, he got into it with staff. So they kicked him out because they they could see he was just like he had this like look in his eyes where he would like kind of see like look right through you. And Mm -hmm. um, they kicked him out. And so they packed his stuff and whatever like stuff he left, we had to throw out. And we looked under his bed and he had a shoebox. But then he uh, he had like sharpened like a plastic butter knife into like a little jailhouse shank like oh fuck and we were like holy fuck dude this guy was like could have just murdered us in his sleep and uh i mean i felt part of me felt bad for him but then a part of me was like okay i can sleep with both eyes closed now so that's at least <laughs> good you know because this place i'm at they don't take people who um or mo- for the most part they don't take people who are dual diagnosis because they're just not equipped to be able to treat um people with like super extreme severe cases of like you know, schizophrenia or something, you yeah. know, um, but, um, oh you, you know what I wanted to touch on, um, you, and you were talking about it too, like, um, you, and, uh, being on some of the medications you were on and some, mm-hmm. you know, talking to your, your psychiatrist, I'm assuming.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, mean? I'm on, yeah, I'm happy to talk about that. I'm on antipsychotics for the second run in my life. Uh um i'm on 100 milligrams of quetiapine and i'm given promethazine for sleep issues but also for anxiety so i was given like a small amount before like seven for a month but now they've realized that i actually need a few more than that and then i'm also given valium um but my mum is in control of that because she knows i'm an addict
2: so definitely (laughs) i'm
0: not yeah i mean the promethazine isn't addictive Physically, but Valium obviously is, so my benzos are out of touch, out of hand. Um, but yeah, so I am given a, an element of freedom in terms of administering them, but it's the same time every day for the antipsychotics. And before, actually, I was put on olanzapine before quetiapine, which was what I was on the first time that I had psychosis, that used to make me sleep for like 16 hours a day, and I just was a complete zombie. I couldn't do anything. And then um, I was put on them this time around, and then they quickly realised that they weren't doing anything. But then I had to get put on quetiapine at the same time as being on olanzapine and then taper off. So I had, like, crazy bad withdrawals, and I was, like, shaking, and my dad would be like, ooh, delirium tremens, because (laughs) he's a bit of a a Latin fiend. Um, But, yeah, I've just been fully pranging out in my family home for the last two or three months which is lovely
2: <laughs> I mean I'm sure that you that is, it seems like they were try- kind of beta testing different things on you and to seeing what worked and didn't have like the most extreme side effects yeah um, so I
0: have I have a lot of um, delusions which in my mind aren't delusions which tells me that yes they are delusions because if you're that you know fed if you're feeding into something that hard, like, you must be pretty out of touch. But my main thing is, like, spying delusions. I feel like I'm either being spied on or I am a spy, which uh, obviously isn't true because I'm just a 22-year-old university student <laughs> doing English lit and creative writing. Yeah. But then when I'm out in public, I feel like I'm – because I don't look 22. I, most people say that I look about 18. And I've been sort of the victim of, like, grooming before and sexual assault and stuff. So if I go out on my own, I feel like I'm on like a one man mission to like hunt out pedophiles, <laughs> and I kind of try and attract them on purpose so that then I can log their faces and, um, air lick shots to the cats.
2: Yes, yeah,
0: I don't know vengeance. how to exactly. I did... well because I I mean I've been assaulted so many times now to varying degrees of sin- uh, severity that I'm just kind of desensitized to it all, and I know it's just a fact of life, so I feel like if I can be a pawn in this game of chess where we're trying to knock over the bad Kings, it's like, at least I've got some point of living in a way.
2: No, that makes total sense. Like, um, I think, I mean, and especially with a lot of people at our house, like a lot of people I've met had, Turn to um, self medicating through you know drugs and alcohol because of sexual ab- abuse and and the trauma the traumatic experiences that that would bring yeah. someone emotionally. So it makes perfect mm-hmm. sense. You know, it's almost like um, like it's kind of like a, kind of like a, a strange superhero who wants to like you know seek justice from a, like an ugly world. And and, and you know like yeah. if some anyone who's been through that kind of trauma would definitely have a totally different perception on the world entirely than someone who wasn't, like, put... Yeah,
0: you, you begin to pick up signs from people around you and notice things that are really fucked up that most people just don't see because I think you can, you can be so cut off from it if you've never experienced it that you just take everything with a pinch of salt and you turn a blind eye to a lot of really sinister things that happen. But once yeah. you notice the behaviours of predators, even if it's not a predatory thing that they're doing, it can just be a phrase that they say or a look they have in their eye. You're just immediately turned on to the fact that they are a fucked up human being that is going to cause harm to people. And me being, well, I, sorry, being five foot two, blonde, white, and pretty easy to shove in the back of a van if anyone wanted to. I feel like I'm a pretty good target, so... Even though that's really, really bad for me because it's led to so many kind of extremely traumatic situations. In a way, when I'm with other people, I feel like I'm sort of, I have a purpose to be a bit of a beacon for attracting the fucked up people because then once I clock who they are, I can let my wider network of people know that I've seen it and that I've acknowledged it and that it's their turn to step in and give out the karma.
2: Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And I mean, I am sure like just something like walking the streets alone, especially at night would, would like, would induce all that like past like trauma. And it, you know, you, you probably feel like you're on high alert, like constantly yeah. because of it.
0: Yeah, I have to walk around with headphones on all the time. Like, I either tune into music that makes me feel. Oh, somebody's like the door. Hello, Dad. This is, your American this is my American podcast. <laughs> <laughs> my dad wants to join in the podcast.
2: Oh, my God. Okay. Let's do this.
0: Okay. Yeah. Brian says, let's do this. <laughs> um, how do I make it louder?
2: Oh you could probably Well let me speaker. just pass you
0: over to my father.
1: Oh
2: hello Brian. Hey, how's it going? Oh, I'm good. How are you? It's very late over here actually. Oh, I apologize for that. It's it's only seven PM here. I'm so oh, bad. Oh it's very time. early over there. Where, where are you? California. Yeah, California. Um I have a horrible Californian accent. It's it's I've been found <laughs> been told it's quite ridiculous sounding, but No. You know. no. It's it's absolutely fantastic. Oh, <laughs> thank you. You know, like I, I'm actually super like, uh, I, I, I love any other accent other than mine. Cause I'm just, you know, so used to this that I'm just like, ugh, I'm so, I'm, I'm just like over, you know, like even East coast accents from New York or something. I'm like, Oh, that's, that sounds so much better and more intelligent than, than the West coast. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Yeah.
1: And the accents are, are weird.
2: Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, free. I mean, you can feel free to ask me anything. I'm an open book. I don't hold back on this. I, I tell my most debaucherous and and sinister like past experiences. So, I mean, I don't want so to. Like,
1: so, how old you. are you then, uh,
2: Brian? I'm uh, I'm 35, but uh, I've been told I look prepubescent. Um, <laughs> so um, I've been at an inpatient treatment like residential facility for four months, a little over four months. Um, yeah yeah I've been you know practicing recovery um, you know I started this podcast like a few years ago but was extremely late to uh, uploading episodes um, for a multitude of reasons I was on a court order drug program and our uh, drug counselors and our probation officers were we were highly monitoring us so we were too paranoid to upload anything. So Brian so what what is your um What's your
0: addiction? Is it Uh,
2: money? Is it girls? I mean, (laughs) I've noticed and come to realize my addiction is pretty much anything that can be used in excess. I was, uh, you know, I mean, I started out on like more socially acceptable drugs, like weed and alcohol and stuff. And then it just kept evolving, you know, cocaine, pills, ecstasy, psychedelics. Um, and then, when I was 24, I had moved back to my hometown of Los Angeles, uh, and was go. I was, I was going to um, college for sound engineering. I was a sound engineering major, and I was involved yeah. in like the music industry down there. I've been playing guitar like since fourth grade, so I was playing shows, promoting shows, and that just seemed, you know, the culture of Los Angeles and and the music industry in general kind of just made my addiction spiral out of control. And while I was in that. I was 24. I had gotten diagnosed with uh, testicular cancer. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And, um, you know, after surgery, they were pumping me full of um, pain pills and opiates. And, you know, I walked out with some, you know, Oxycontin. So then that just made my... I I turned to, like, opiates to kind of not just aid the physical pain, but the emotional trauma of, you know, not knowing what was going to happen to me. And so... Uh, that evolved from popping pills to eventually turning to heroin and then um, oh. the needle. And then it, it, it kind of graduated uh, and I bottomed out just using any drug interv- that I could put in a needle and use intravenously. Um, and you know, there's a lot of, you know, little gaps I, I left out just trying to keep it short. But yeah, I, um, I was completely out of control. I was going to jail. I was, uh, you know, getting involved with, with, you know, gang members and, and just the, you know, total, like the, the dark aspects of society and kind of just getting involved with whatever they were doing. Even though I'm like, I look like a suburban little white kid. I like, and I wasn't like affiliated with gangs. I was like intermingling with them, helping them, you know, run drugs or weed or whatever. And so I got exposed to a lot of, you know, crazy stuff. And, um, Finally, you know, uh, I guess six eight months ago, my parents were kind of took notice that I was just totally out of control, and they gave me an intervention. And um,
1: uh, so, so Brian, Brian,
2: yeah. uh, you you what you're thirty five, are you? Yeah. So your your
1: parents that I mean, forgive me, but <laughs> that, that's quite a long time to wait,
2: isn't it? Well, I mean, think? well, yeah, I mean, it, it was easy to keep. Uh, a lot of it under wraps because I I was living away from them. I was on my own when I moved back to LA and um, it was only, you know, after I had, I had gotten arrested for, I was managing like a medical marijuana dispensary here and I had gotten uh, the, the, the laws that are here are very loose and there's a lot of gray area about regulation. So I had gotten, Um, our dispensary had gotten raided and I went to jail for that. And when I had moved or when I got released from jail in Los Angeles, um, I kind of, So how long were you in jail for? Uh, on that time it was 65 days, but I got kicked. I got an early kick because the jail there was just so overcrowded that they were trying to kick people. Out early. Yeah, I was supposed to do 180 days, but and it was like my first felony offense. I'd never done heavy time. But the the things I saw in there, in that jail was just insane, like, you know, j- you know, riots, you know, uh, just mm-hmm. crazy fights, you know, it was just it was, it was it was brutal. And there was like so many drugs in the jail, it was almost like being on the o- outside, you know. Um, yeah. And then, you know, like, A lot of things that go on in you know, there's not a lot of education programs there. It was just a lot of it was like criminal colleges, other, you know, criminals teaching each other how to, you know, like break more laws, like you know, identity theft and you know, counterfeiting money and all that stuff. So I kind of left with you know, worse off than when I went in. So what's the Brian? What's the point of your blog there? I mean, are you? It's
0: a sorry, podcast,
1: not a blog. Sorry, blog. Uh, yeah, that's just me. Sorry, uh, I'm an idiot. I mean, <laughs> the, the
2: podcast.
1: What was what, your podcast? I mean, are you trying to help people not do what you've done, or, or?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. I don't. I don't promote or or try to glamorize or romanticize what I what my past was. I mean, I. Or is tell... it to try and sort of explain? the difference between the,
1: the types of drugs you take or what? I mean,
2: Oh yeah. It's, it, I mean, at, at first the podcast was just really simple. It was me and my best friend and we were just telling all our crazy stories. Um, okay. but it, what it, it evolved, stories. yeah, it was basically war stories, but I mean, it's I, a war stories.
1: I, pod. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Basically it started out as that, but what it's evolved into, I was kind of just documenting, um, my progression and my addiction like when i just started i was relapsing and uh admitting it on the podcast mean like i just relapsed you know and like talking about how horrible it felt and you know so it, it's kind of just like anyone who maybe not doesn't have experience with addiction themselves to take a look and shine light on on the lives of addicts mainly you know <laughs>
0: Brian, the, that's on the floor <laughs> Brian
1: come back
0: to me to, yeah. he says Brian come back <laughs> to me but I, I, I think he might have tapped out
2: <laughs> it's all good um, you're just, just very said, cheerful that
0: really hurt my head
2: <laughs> Brian yeah.
1: I'm gonna leave you. Oh, you're all good. It was really nice Yeah, no, to you. I'm going to have to go to bed, Brian. It's, it's very late over here oh, in the UK. I apologize it's, for keeping you up. No, it's okay. It's about three, what's it? Yeah, it's, it's almost half past three here. It's 20 oh my past
2: three.
1: Oh, gosh. Wow. I know. Well, this is not California, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was
2: a pleasure talking to you.
1: Yeah, uh, an absolute pleasure talking to you, Brian. Um, you know, I'm going to go to bed and, um... Do what it, what it is you, you do. I don't know. <laughs> my
2: daughter. I bit, um, that.
1: what we're trying to do with my daughter is like keep her off the drugs. So you
2: know, don't don't persuade her to get on any. Oh no, of course not. No, I would never. I would never encourage that kind of thing. Well, there you go. Well, good night, bro. All right, take care.
0: Good night, Dad. Zoe mama.
2: What's
0: that? I said, Wee mama. <laughs> it's a quote from Secret Dive Wimpy Kid. Or Dark oh, Wimpy Kid. I
2: never saw that one. I saw the trailer, but I. Yeah.
0: It's it's actually a big series of books as well. And my sister has pretty much every one on her bookshelf.
2: Really? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Your dad is is very cheerful. I love it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he tends to be like that after a few glasses of wine.
2: Nice. And, you know, I completely forgot what we were talking about after, you know, engaging with him. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I think we were touching on, um, well, we were talking about sexual trauma. But, um, you know, like, is, is, because um, I mean, you know, the, our, like news propaganda here they rarely get into things like this and I know it's a problem here you know like rape sexual assault all that thing I, I know goes on but they just don't ever really like publicize it here yeah um, a
0: it, lot of the media over here is pretty damaging to be honest it's like really ways that you can prevent yourself from being raped don't wear a short skirt don't drink too much plan to leave with somebody else and it's just like are you really sure that you're supposed to be telling girls that or should it be telling boys don't rape
2: yeah i mean that yeah that's uh, sounds i mean just my two cents it sounds a bit sexist (laughs) for them to like tell girls like they can't dress how they want i mean i mean the thing is is like i mean i'm not gonna lie like boys are I mean, I know for a they they're complete horn dogs, but I mean, they should have some sort of self control and know what is appropriate and what, like, know when they should. I mean, I I think a lot of I, it, a lot it's of a lack of education.
0: To, yeah. yeah. Parents and the education system, like, there's no real sort of incentive to teach consent because people presuppose that that's what parents will do. But half of the time, I mean, Where I'm from, there's a large sort of percentage of teenage pregnancies and sexually transmitted diseases and, Mm -hmm. like, divorced parents or parents that never married. So I don't think that uh, stable relationships are a particularly common thing where I'm from. So obviously people that come out of that family background aren't really going to have those virtues ingrained into them.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, the divorce rates here are ridiculous. Like, it's like yeah. 75% of marriages end in divorce here.
0: That's just so fucked. And half the time it's they can split the money nicely and oh, do yeah. well on their own.
2: Oh, it's fucking terrifying. It makes me, like, have a huge phobia against getting married. It's like... It's like, I think, I forget who said this, but they're like, if you were going to go skydiving and you're on the plane about to jump and they said, oh, by the way, three out of four of you, your parachute's not going to open and you're going to fall to your death. It's like, would you go? I'd be like, fuck no. Hell no. Hell no. (laughs) Yeah. I'll stay in here and we'll land safely (laughs) with that shit. So, I mean, and it's crazy because, yeah, my parents never really educated me about sex they left that to the school system and the school system basically was just like these are the different body parts and this is (sighs) what happens when you insert said orifice into said hole like it's just like but they never taught how to like um communicate with you know the opposite sex or how to recognize if you know like if they're uncomfortable with like something you're doing it's like I had to kind of leave that up to my myself to learn you know and it's yeah it's it reminds me of crazy. that
0: scene, I think it's from Mean Girls, where they're like, don't have sex because you'll get pregnant and die.
2: <laughs> That's with what, Lindsay Lohan?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh my god, we actually just Oh man, that. she
0: was, she actually, like, it's kind of fucked up, but a lot of my idols ended up being complete wrecks with drugs, like Amy Winehouse, Lindsay Lohan, uh, Miley Cyrus. I mean, I hated her when I was a kid, and then she... Started appropriating black culture and then suddenly I was interested, <laughs> which is a bit fucked up, but no, eh, it is how it is.
2: Well, like, I mean, if you're a childhood actor, I think you're kind of doomed from the start, you know, like that's a whole different universe to like, yeah. grow up in. So it's like, and not only that, you're you have. Your the your access to fucking substances has got to be like fucking mm-hmm. easy, you know. And, and, and there must
0: be so many weird older men that will slip those drugs just to try and get it easier to get what they want.
2: Oh yeah, like with what was going on in Hollywood with all these like fucking pedophiles everywhere, it was <sighs> fucking insane. Like
0: yeah, well d- when I was like I think I was fourteen, I used to go and volunteer at a bookshop which was funding the church. And I went to this place called the Millennium Centre to do, like, a stall with some old ladies for books. And the stall next to us had this, like, probably 65, 70-year-old painter man. And every single time we went, he would come over and say things like, Oh, you're such an old soul. Oh, I wish you were a bit older. Oh, if you were older, I would blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I was 14, and I probably looked about 12, because I was not an early bloomer. I was fucking late as fuck. So it was just... Like, it's just very strange that people of, like, particularly my kind of demographic are so predated on by old men and it's often it's kind of battered away as a compliment and people are like, oh, well, that's nice of him to say, isn't it? And it's like, well, no, it isn't. But when you're that young, you just don't know how to differentiate.
2: Yeah, no, I can... Yeah, that's fucking insane, yeah. And, like, I've noticed, like from talking to other people, like a lot of sexual assault sometimes happens within the family. And so they're the, you know, the child is afraid to confront or talk to their parents about it. And even sometimes when they do have like muster up the courage to, to say something, the family members don't believe them because they're, yeah, or they believe
0: them and they just say, never tell anybody that because it's just, it's not allowed. We can't have that associated with us. (laughs)
2: Yeah, yeah, and then like they don't want to deal with like the public shaming or who knows what mm. the fuck. It's crazy. Did you did you hear or see in the news about what's what happened to um who is it? Jeffrey Ep- uh, Epstein?
0: Well, I saw that he died, but that's about it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I'm pretty certain that the conspiracy theorist in me is convinced that he was actually murdered because like, dude, he probably had dirt on so many fucking politicians. That um, Like, I mean, he got, he, he was, he was busted. Like they were, they were taking him down. He had like his own fucking pedophile Island for fuck's sakes. So it's like. I know, like, there's been, like, rumors that the Clintons or Bill Clinton flew out there and other people were, you know, frequented there. What and the like, fuck? Yeah, it's just, like, fucking crazy. So it's like, oh, he mysteriously dies. He gets taken off suicide watch. And then he, oh, he coincided yeah. with suicide. So I was like, to yeah, to be man.
0: fair, one of my ex-boyfriends posted about him not believing that it wasn't an inside job. And I was like, I'm not even up to date with what happened, but I'm going to take your word for
2: it. yeah. I mean I like it's it's crazy cuz like I'm a huge conspiracy theorist I think all the politicians are up to something fucking crooked Ugh. like even if I don't have any fucking solid evidence I'm just like yeah fuck that but I
0: mean, if there's money behind it, there's always going to be something twisted in the background. Fuck,
2: yeah, exactly. And it, But it's like, any of the conspiracy theories that involve that kind of thing, like human trafficking or, or fucking mm-hmm. child pedophilia, it's like, it's just too overwhelming. It's too much for me. I'm like, dude, I have to tap out because that's just so dark and so yeah. twisted. It Like, it fucks with me. I remember that. when,
0: like, Pizzagate was a thing.
2: Oh, yeah. A few years
0: ago. That messed with me. But, like, something that's tends to happen with me is that i just completely tune out of like mainstream media because it makes me so depressed but then i end up following all of these really weird like esoteric spiritual accounts on like reddit and facebook that are like you should stare at the sun for two hours a day because (laughs) then you'll open your third eye like i genuinely used to do that when i had psychosis the first time because i was like oh my god this is healing light from god like i really fucked my eyes up
2: (laughs) no, you, <laughs> that's that's crazy you say that because right when Pizzagate was a thing I was deep deep in my addiction like just shooting up massive amounts of heroin and meth and I'd be in a psychosis myself like and I'd fall so far down the rabbit hole and then I was like watching just horrible YouTube videos like oh all the celebrities are clones and they like <laughs> secretly murder them and they have this Yet, cloning machines
0: <laughs> I remember seeing this video of Britney Spears like going so fucking weird in an interview. Like, it looked like she just like glitched out. And then I yep. just thought after that, like, wow, everybody is a robot.
2: Yeah. Oh, that and those videos about like, g- like celebrity glitches that it was all based on like mo- the mon- project Monarch and MKUltra and like celebrity oh, mind. Oh god, control. don't even talk
0: about MKUltra. And like, <laughs> as soon as I started doing acid, I was like, <gasps> I am one of them.
2: yeah I I mean it's crazy because I'm super fascinated with all of that stuff and like I I I don't know, like, I can't ever say, like, with 100% confidence, like, oh, yeah, 9-11 is an inside job, or, oh, yeah, all <laughs> these things are super, like, I know it happened, but it's, like, like the f- I fantasize about, like, this secret world where, like, there's this crazy secret society, and they plan and control everything, and then, like, yeah. there's all these crazy figureheads, like, you know, there's David Icke,
0: Luminati- I- yeah, yeah, David
2: Icke and the reptilian race, Like, and I was just, like, it, it, it <laughs> came to a point where I was, like, dude, I need to tap out, because I'm terrified of the world now and yeah this doesn't have any benefit on my like living because it's like even if let's say theoretically even if all that shit were true or a percentage of it's true like myself as an individual is not gonna like overthrow this like crazy cabal <laughs> like that's just, why
0: we start a rebellion
2: fam yeah you, i know and I, as you when i was growing up like when i first moved back to la i was just like kind of super activist like yeah we got it you know, take down the government, man. <laughs> and just like Guillotine in. the bourgeoisie. <laughs> yeah, bomb the banks, man. You know, all kinds <laughs> oh, of shit. crazy shit.
0: I, you just made me remember, I used to always, like, message people on Facebook and just randomly say, like, bomb Wall Street. And I said it to my friend Nick once, and he put this message afterwards that was like, to the government inspector that is reading our conversations, I do not condone this behavior. <laughs> I was like, oh, I think I'm going off the deep end now. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, I mean, just the shit they've been able to prove, like with what Edward Snowden leaked and like Hillary Clinton's leaked emails, that that scared me enough. Where I was like, dude, I don't know. Like, I if if it's like if if I knew all this shit and actually found it out, they'd probably want to ice me too. So it's like I'd rather not know, you know, because it's just like it's just I've come to a point where I'm like, dude, I just need to live my life the best I can, as happy as I can, and. I mean, I still, like, like, researching, like, scandal and corruption. Don't get me wrong. But it's, like, I, I had, like, like, what we said before. I have to find the balance. Because I would just take it to the crazy extreme. But, I mean, that's who I am. But, I don't know. It's just um. Oh, okay. So, we're, like, at 15 minutes. You told me a story before we, we started recording. And I... You... I... It was fucking... It was crazy. So... I would love to hear it. If you remember the one with was it your ex boyfriend taking acid and running around naked?
0: I don't know what happened there.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, that's the issues with Wi Fi. Um, okay, so at what point did you I you like it get cut off? Because I know I was.
0: You mentioned Hillary Clinton. <laughs>
2: I can't stand Hillary Clinton. I'm sorry. Like, I want to see a female, like, be president, but her, I, she's just such a bad liar. Like, I just can't. Like, I don't know. Elizabeth Warren, I think that's her name. I would love to see her in office. I still like Bernie, but even then, I'm just like, ugh, I. After our last, like, election process with trump and hillary i was like i was just like fuck i'm, so, I'm sure the whole it was
0: all this, such a massive farce. like everybody in england just watched it and laughed like we really couldn't believe that it was actually happening
2: yeah oh it was ridiculous i felt so i'm so embarrassed for our country right now like
0: well i have family members that voted for trump so i'm embarrassed to be alive
2: <laughs> <laughs> like oh yeah i mean i i I didn't like Hillary or Trump. I thought they were both horrible, but Mm -hmm. I think Hillary's a horrible liar, and I think Trump is just a fucking total buffoon, you know? (laughs) I'm pretty sure he didn't even think he was going to get elected, and then when he did, he was just like, the ego and pride in him was just like, oh, I'll run with this, but it was just like... I, I can do like, this. I'm like fuck dude, I've it, never been more embarrassed to be an American in all my life cuz I'm just, I'm like dude, I'm I'm sure that the whole rest of the world is looking at us like you guys are fucking idiots. Like I
0: mean, are- we can't talk with fucking Brexit and Boris Johnson like we've, <laughs> we're you know in the running for the most stupid country at the moment.
2: <laughs> I mean, I I don't know enough about Brexit. I did a little bit of like reading up on it, but um I mean, I think, I'm pretty sure, like, the human race is doomed anyway. We're probably going to self-engineer our own extinction anyway, so... Yeah. It's just... I'll just...
0: I'll sum Breaks it up in two words, basically. Shit's fucked.
2: (laughs) That's... Yeah. That's perfect. Okay. So, what I was going to say before our Skype connection got lost was I wanted to hear the fucking uh war story you were telling me before we started recording um where your ex-boyfriend is tripping face and running around naked like yeah it's just wild
0: so i was at work in a pub trying to not drink loads of alcohol and actually succeeding for once <laughs> and then i got out of work and i got a call from my ex who uh we'll call flipper because Nice. his drug of choice was Mandian acid so
2: okay so what's yeah. the difference between the regular acid and mandian acid
0: uh well i mean like candy flipping so he would take a tab of acid and some mdma and then okay. roll i guess nice. but um yeah so i he called me and he was on the university campus and he's saying all like i don't know where i am i don't know how to get home but he was literally about 10 minutes away from where we were kind of staying so I was like, right, this this is strange. <laughs> so I roll up and see him, and his eyes are just so huge. Like, they're so wide open. His pupils are the size of a fucking dinner plate. And I'm just thinking, like, okay. First of all, I'm pissed off because you bought two towels of acid and didn't save one for me. Second of all, I have no idea who these people that you're with are, where you got these drugs, or how I'm going to get you home. But it was a challenge that I had to overcome, so... I led him home and then in the meantime, I wanted to pick up some weed because I knew that this was going to be a long night, but (laughs) I made a fatal error while this was happening and I was like, this is urgent. Oh, shit, I said his name. We can block that. Flipper. This is urgent. I need to go and pick up. So I left him locked in my room and then I went out to pick up. And then while I was in the car, we were seeing this lightning storm and I was like, wow, this is really fucking cool. But then I wasn't really clocking that he would be seeing that and feeling like the world was ending. (laughs) So I got back to my university room and I come in and he's just like completely weird. Like he's just acting not like himself and he's got his shirt undone. And then I realized that he's like having a bit of a gender issue. Like he's not sure if he's a girl or a boy or what's going on. And And that's
2: induced by the acid.
0: Yeah and the weed and the (laughs) alcohol and I think there was Mandy as well but I'm not entirely sure because he kept changing his mind but anyway there was a a whole cocktail inside him and then people started like in the flat were noticing that there was weird stuff going on so they're like one by one people were coming out and being like oh are you okay and I was like yeah this is not the time for this but (laughs) if you need to I suppose you can attend and then my housemate who was like a very butch, very gay, very amazing and very fit rugby player came in to sort of try and help because he was getting really agitated and actually a little bit violent as well. I but understand. then he, she wasn't really helping, so she was going back into her room. And then in the meantime, he ripped off all his clothes and was starting to try and run around and save me from the end of the world. <laughs> so he kept, like, picking me up and then trying to get me through the doors. But there was, like, a double door sort of situation going, so then my housemate would come out and block one of the doors, and then he'd remember that we weren't actually dying, and then he'd kind of just roll around on the floor for a bit. And he was fucking up my entire room as well. He kept, like, just throwing shit, like, off the shelves, and, like, everything was on the floor, and I was sort of trying to put stuff back and not let him out because he was fully trying to leave the premises naked, and I was like, well, you'll definitely get done for some kind of sexual, like, you know... Offense yeah. if you leave like this. At least this.
2: domestic offense.
0: Yeah. Well, no. He. I got a call from the police a few weeks after, with a complete screening, saying like about forty questions about our relationship, whether I was being abused or not. And I actually I picked up the phone call in the car with my dad. So oh, that geez. was. Yeah, it was fucking awful. Like I, I still did the interview, but I was just like, oh my god, like worst timing in the world. But yeah, he was he was going through a lot of issues like trying to pull his dick off because it was like oh my god what the fuck is this he didn't even recognize it
2: so he saw his dick and he he, probably part of him was questioning whether he was a man or woman tripping on acid and he tried to literally tear his dick off his body yeah
0: yeah we had to like keep trying to grab hold of his arms and be like stop doing that don't hurt yourself he was just (laughs) he had no idea what was going on and none of us did either so then um, my housemate's girlfriend ends up calling the ambulance, but they weren't very quick. So they sent the police out first. So then the police turn up and I'm like, I'd been smoking the whole time cause I needed to, to just calm down. Like it yeah. was, but then when I knew that the police were coming, I was like, Oh, holy fuck. Like, this is not good for anybody right now. So I, I, I just switched to cigarettes and was like, yeah, I'll just, I'll pretend that I'm sober clean and serene and <laughs> just I, I ended up just cracking up loads of jokes with the police who'd obviously seen this loads of times, but they kind of cornered him into the kitchen and then were asking him what was he was on and he was saying, Oh I'm on crack, I'm on heroin, I'm on meth, and just saying like every single drug that he'd ever done. Like oh not that God. he'd even done those, but he was yeah. just listing off anything that he could even like comprehend as being a drug for some reason. So they oh, no. they were finding it really difficult to, like, know what to do with him. And then the ambulance comes, and then he, he wants me to come with him. And this was actually at the point that I was quite heavily associated with the Hare Krishna cult. So like, oh. he was asking me to chant, and then, like, randomly, like, screaming, Hare Krishna! And I was like, <laughs> no, this is so bad. Like, I really don't want this right now. But then... I kept catching eyes with, like, my housemate and just, like, trying not to laugh, but failing sometimes because it was so surreal that it just, it didn't feel like it was serious. It just felt like a massive piss take that I was just involved in. And this was the weekend before my final exams for that year. And it was the oh. one weekend that I'd set out for revision. So I was just like, this cannot be happening. This isn't real <laughs> it's, life.
2: was like but a movie. It was.
0: Out. Yeah. And I ended up going to A&E with him. And like, he was just doing all sorts of weird shit, like trying to undress himself and like grabbing his dick. And I was just like, (laughs) no, 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 this is not time for that. So I was just sitting on the end of his bed, like with my bees trying to meditate. And at the same time as he was there, there was a guy in the bed next to us who was withdrawing from alcohol after like, I think it was like a two month binge of like... fuck yeah he was like shaking like mad and I was seeing him and thinking like holy fuck he's gonna die and I was looking at my boyfriend and thinking like wow I really wish I'd never met you I just I just remember one thing actually that really brightened my day was we had a nurse I think she was Nigerian and she came over and was like questioning Adam and then she turns to me and goes where were you when all of this was happening and then (laughs) I was quite defensive and I was like I was at work and then she turns back to Adam and goes you're going to lose a good woman. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, damn fucking right you are. And then he did. So. Oh. Yeah.
2: So did he like get in trouble with like the judicial system at all after yeah, this? Yeah, he
0: got a caution. He, he's got a, a note on his police file now saying that he's been, uh, he's had an allegation of domestic abuse about him because oh, the, the housemate's girlfriend on the phone told the police that, and the ambulance, oh no, told the ambulance, that he'd hurt me because he had he was like crushing my bones when he was picking me up and stuff like yeah he was grabbing me really hard like while he was still naked and then trying to open the door and run out of the door with me but because I'm so small and he's quite strong I was just like completely unable to get him off me
2: yeah he was probably convinced like the world it was like total Armageddon and he thought he could like yeah
0: he thought he was saving me which like I guess in retrospect, it's kind of cute. But at the time, I was just like, what (laughs) the hell are you doing?
2: Annoyed and, like, shocked and dismayed. Yeah.
0: And tired as hell from being at work. Like, it was just a combination of utter fuckery.
2: Oh, Jesus. Yeah, there's no way you could do your final exams after, like, a moment like that. Oh, I
0: got an 82. I bossed it. I did so well.
2: (laughs) No way.
0: Yeah, and God help me out, man.
2: (laughs) Yeah, then you are a total boss, because I just even with my life being complete normal, like, at normalcy, I I struggle with, like, I stress out over finals, like, so much.
0: Yeah. uh, I mean, I was really unimpressed, because it was the one weekend that I'd set out just for revision, and I ended up being, from Saturday night to 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, awake, looking after this absolute wrecked. But, yeah, (laughs) then I slept the whole of Sunday, and woke up on Monday, and was like, right, better fucking revise. (laughs)
2: Wow. So, I mean, the lesson here, I'm pretty sure, is if you're going to take a mind-altering substance, especially a hallucinogen, just know anything you see or perceive is probably not real, so don't... like. (laughs) That's the one thing I told myself when going into any fucking psychedelic is like, okay, so I'm going to see a bunch of shit that's probably not there or is probably just like, you know, and then... So, don't take it so serious. Like, yeah, I don't know. I,
0: the first time or the first times that I like solo tripped, I used to write myself notes and stick them on my door that were like, it said, like, remember, you're on drugs, none of this is real, you're fine. And I'd like look up at them and just be like, okay, cool, now it's time to work out my existence in equations on pieces of paper.
2: Yeah, I mean, um. I tried – see, I've done – I've tripped, out like, by myself, and then I've tripped with other people, but it's like – I feel like there's a huge level of trust that needs to be built with whoever you're going to, like, trip out with because if they – and not only that, even people you may know and trust – they can and sometimes have the potential to become completely unpredictable when yeah. <laughs> under a substance <assumptions clears throat> like that, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Like, yeah, I've seen that lots of times. I remember I had... Well, I think this is like two two years ago. Um, I had a couple of boys that were like... They knew that I'd been into acid before and they really wanted me to get them some. So I, I pulled a few strings, some appeared, and I helped them but it was very strong and i was quite <laughs> used to very strong acid but i forgot that these two were complete newbies and i always expect that everyone's going to be on the same wavelength as me which oh, yeah. obviously isn't the case <laughs> and i remember i'd like i took my shoes off in the garden and i walked around in the mud and then i was like squishing raspberries and then i just i was holding them i was going to eat them but they just they looked so juicy and i was like i really want to see like the juice come out of them in my (laughs) hands and then I I went back into the kitchen with them both and I was like washing my feet and my hands under the tap and they were one of them was absolutely convinced it was blood and then from that moment on he was just fucked because he'd seen something that he perceived as horrific so like the whole trip for him even though he barely made any like verbal kind of you know he didn't he didn't tell us that he was having a bad time yeah uh the next day he was like damn it was so bad i hated every minute and i wish i never did it and oh. i was just like whoops <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah the side of blood while tripping is horrible i've told this story like in one of the way earlier episodes but when i i think my it was my third time taking mushrooms and uh i was like maybe just at like just turned 18 and Um, I was with a group of friends. Yeah. We, I didn't know them like super well, but we had all taken mushrooms, but one of our friends, he had this weird like digestive system problem, but the, the mushrooms like hit his stomach, like they were fucking razor blades.
1: Oh shit.
2: So he goes into the bathroom and he just starts puking up blood, but like everywhere And we don't know this is going on. Like, we're just sitting in the room on the couch, just, like, enjoying it. And then we're like, oh, shit, where's our friend? And someone's like, oh, I think he went to the bathroom. And we open the door to, like, the most gruesome, like, murder scene ever. And there's just blood everywhere. Like, actual blood on the walls, like, all over the toilet. And, and like, I, I mean, those were my own, like, I was a teenager, my f- like third time taking a psychedelic and it was like the most horrific, like, like scary movie, like fucking murder scene ever. And I was just like tripping balls and just like, di- I, like my brain just shut off. Like I could not <laughs> comprehend what was going on. I was like, holy fuck.
0: System overload.
2: Yeah. And then we had to get in my car and I had to drive on mushrooms to take this guy to the hospital and then somehow like I could, I could barely even talk after that point. And so my, thank God, my friend uh, was there to like talk to nurses and like somewhat keep mm-hmm. it together. Like, Oh, he's sick. He's puking. He's like, and, uh, I just stayed. I like, I, I, we pulled up and we parked and we walked him in instead of just pulling our car right up. Cause I was like, dude, I don't want, I was like paranoid about cops. And then yeah. I just like, ugh, I, I, I can't even barely, I barely remember what happened after they got him in and they're like, we'll take care of it. And thank God we kept our shit like together enough. Cause it was like such a high intensity, like <laughs> moment, like <clears throat> adrenaline kicked in. And, uh, I think some of the mushrooms had worn off, but it was just like, holy fuck dude, that just fucked with my fucking whole, like fucking soul afterwards. I was just like, yeah, I bet, yeah. And then also, like, I mean, I've had some weird and horrible moments on Psychedelics where it's, like, super fun, best time ever, and then something happens, and then it's like, oh, shit, it got real uh, in reality. like
0: You just reminded me of a trip that I had with that same guy, but he was trip-sitting. And um, I had a really bad cough because, I don't know, I think I had something. I was ill or something, but about every 10 minutes, I would like turn around to him and be like, do I have throat cancer? And then I'd have 10 minutes of fun. And then I'd turn back around and be like, oh my God, I think I've got throat cancer. I can feel it. It's in my throat. And like, it was just a constant cycle, like a a loop of just like a few minutes of like looking at the trees and being really happy. And then like a while of just being convinced that I was on death's door.
2: That's not a good mental state to be in.
0: No. And like, he really took a grudge to me about that as well. It was like, I never want to, fucking do anything like that with you again if you're just going to keep talking about having cancer because i mean there is a lot of cancer in my family so i've always been very paranoid about it anyway but yeah. like this was like absolute acceptance of the fact that i did have cancer and i was just like trying to constantly prove it to him
2: <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh fuck that sounds awful um yeah. like if you're gonna be a trip sitter like it's a, it's such a he was the fucking,
0: fucking worst trip man. Like he said he was gonna he, he said he was gonna like you know curate my trip and he ended up <clears throat> like halfway through he had a nap and then he just like got ready for his night out and then he went out drinking and I was just sitting there like what now like I'm here with throat cancer and he's just gone off drinking like what the fuck do I do <laughs>
2: it's like it's like abandonment like kicking in like...
0: literally I mean he was younger than me by like two years so what do I expect like I was basically his mum but it was just <laughs> It was bad times all around. I mean, I love the guy, but oh. he's not a trip sitter.
2: No, like, I mean, I was the best trip sitter. I would drive people where they wanted I'd, to like oh. a safe place in nature. I'd smoke them out with weed. And I, I remember, like, a few times my friends would be having a bad trip, and I would help talk them through it, and then they'd end up laughing. Like, now oh. here, like, they actually have, like, paid positions where you can be a trip sitter from someone. and they Goals. they charge, like... Crazy amounts of money to do it. I was like, dude, I did this shit for free. What are I <laughs> thinking, dude? Like, you
0: basically paid them, giving them weed. Yeah,
2: yeah. But then, like, it, it helped me out because the times I had like been like taking acid, I would have people drive me around in my car, and then we'd like smoke weed because it's like, yeah, set and setting. Like, I don't mm-hmm. like like when I'm on or when I was on psychedelics, I didn't like being at like a crazy festival where there's like hundreds of people around me and I'm like all claustrophobic and hot and uncomfortable like I wanted to be out in nature in an open area where it's like you know like I don't know where you could just like
0: I either like out in nature or in the room with the curtain shut because then it could be any time of the day you can just like be in a little like time capsule
2: yeah yeah and um you know, with, like, people, like, you can be, like, open with, the, you know, they know you're tripping. Like, trying to hide the yeah, fact yeah. that you're tripping with someone f- like, my parents, for fuck's sakes. Like, oh, oh God. Uh, they, it was... And I can't look in the mirror. Like, I cannot go in a bathroom and look in the mirror because it's just like... The- oh,
0: I low-key love that. Because, really? like, sometimes I'm like, wow, look at all these disgusting pits in my face. Like, there's so many <laughs> holes. And then, like, the other half of the time, I'm like, oh, my God, I look like Jesus. I look like a lion. Like, I'm the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And it just, like, switches in and out. And I'm like, oh, horrific. Wow, I want to fuck myself. Ugh, horrific.
2: <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome. Um... No, uh, we would be at parties sometimes, and it would be like because we would like at first there was no acid in in my hometown. Like first times, a couple times I got offered acid. I was like sixteen. I was I was just like really just smoking weed, and I was like, I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. For, I'm not ready for that. And then uh, by the time I wanted to like experiment with it, there it was nowhere to be found. So I literally had one day. Me and my friend were like, okay, we're driving to San Francisco, we're going to Haight-Ashbury where all the hippies were in the 60s and we're going to find acid. Like that's our, <laughs> that's going to be mission. That's our mission. And that's what we did. We, we were like, we both, you know, we stocked up, I was working and we took a weekend off and we drove up there and we're just walking around Haight-Ashbury. And you know, San Francisco is way different now, but back then it, it was still kind of like very, like very cultural to, to like the stereotype and we're like walking around we're asking people like where we could get it and we're like getting some leads but it's hard because you know Berkeley is like right there too and mm-hmm. um you know I don't know if you're familiar like with like you know the Deadheads and the Grateful Dead but like Ausley yeah. Stanley yeah it was, uh, yeah, Al- Ausley Stanley he made like all the acid for Woodstock and like all these festivals from back in the day so um there was a lot of like lysergic chemists that kind of grandfathered and taught like the younger generations how to how to like synthesize it to keep so it kind keep it going yeah it's crazy and I mean a the lot family, of family in it yeah and they all got, a lot of them got busted but there's still a lot of them are still out there like continuing the process so we ended up finding this one old hippie who was like he who thought he could get it and then we met these two like you know, younger kids that were trying to get it. And we were just like, fuck, this is like not happening the way we want. And then finally, um, the old guy was like, yeah, I can get it. Walk over to me to hippie Hill, which was like golden state park. (laughs) And there's just this big hill where there's like drum circle of hippies. And so I'm walking with them, but like, I feel like I'm like, all right, something's not right here. Like this feels sketch. And so, um, my friend, um, I guess I'll call him... Uh, what, what did I call him? Uh, JP. He, he was like, oh, I'm going to go run back and try and find the other guys who said they could get acid and you go deal with this guy. So I had all this cash. I had like, what, $300, $350. And I'm, I take a seat on Hippie Hill and he's like, yeah. He's like, I can get you uh, a vial of liquid acid, but uh, I got to go over and meet the guy. So just hand me the cash. And, um, and, and I'm like, no. I was like, dude... I want to go where my money goes. Like I just met you, and like you could just take off with my money. This is weird, and so he was like super paranoid. He's like, "Why are you looking over your shoulder? Like are you have to. Are you a cop? You have to tell me if you're a cop, <laughs> man." And I'm like, "What the fuck, dude?" So I'm like sketched, and I'm trying to like, like, de- like you know, delay it and see if my friend comes back. And so I'm like, "Dude," uh, I was just like, I was just trying to make up some excuse. I was like super young at the time, and finally. My friend comes back and he's like, Yeah, my homies can. He's like, Those guys can get you. Uh, it was like paper acid, like a 100 hits. Mm. So I was like, fuck Yeah, and he's like, They got it right now. So we go over under this for how much for 300 bucks, which
0: 100 hits for 300. Well, okay, three dollars a tab. That's pretty low.
2: It's pretty good. I mean, um, I mean. Yeah, and we ended up getting it. And then the, the old hippie guy was like, what the fuck, man? That was my deal, blah, blah, blah. And I ended up handing him a $20 mm. bill and be like, look, here's 20 <laughs> bucks for your time. Just get, get the <laughs> hell out of here. Like,
1: fuck off. Yeah.
2: So we end up driving back. And so my friend JP's like, all right, I'm going to – he's like, I want to take this and make sure it's real because, it, you know, they could have just sold us just paper. Damn. So we take it and we're waiting and he's like i think i feel it and then i was like dude the sun's setting let's just get out of here and we drive back and like thank fuck like by the time we had like we were a half hour out of the city he's like yeah this is really good so i was like hell yeah so we have this acid and i you know i take some with friends and we have this amazing trip it's like on the beach the whole sky is orange mm. and uh I was like, we should sell this and make money because there's like, you know, supply and demand. There's no fucking acid here, so mm-hmm. like, I, I was like, you know, we knew all the college scene, so we just start unloading this acid, and so by then we're making frequent trips up to San Francisco, meeting th- these same dudes and like other guys and buying vials and bringing it back down and making like a like we're selling for like ten to twenty dollars a hit off of nice. three we paid. We're making a shit ton of money. But then it ended in disaster (laughs) because we ended up being at someone's house party. And because like people took notice, they're like, oh, these guys are making a bunch of money on acid. We should start bringing in acid and selling it. So now all Uh this acid is in town and we're at this guy's house (laughs) and uh, he's got this giant safe full of drugs. And I guess someone at the party like got into his safe, took a whole vial of acid and just like splashed it in. I, I... Pretty sure it was like some chick, like his ex girlfriend's face, a whole vial just
1: right
2: fucking face. And I was like, I was like, fuck, we gotta get out of here right now because this is the cops are gonna come. This is bad. Mm. And uh, ever since then, like, we, we got word like the cops are cracking down. If they find you with acid, you're getting manslaughter charges off the bat, fuck. doing like 20 to life. So I was like, okay. What the hell? Yeah, that's over with. But I mean, we'd be at parties and in uh, Berkeley and people would have like those little handheld squirt guns full of acid and they would be able to hit your Dixie cup from like across the room and dose you without you knowing. Like it got
1: crazy. Got- mad.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, we're f- like, I mean, the drug scene in America is pretty fucking crazy, but in California is where I'm most like experienced in it. It's fucking nuts how crazy the college scene in Berkeley and everywhere else is. Like, yeah. I don't know. So um oh my god, it's probably so late there right now. What time is it where you are?
0: Uh it's four oh four.
2: Are you you're probably getting pretty tired, right? You will usually stay at yeah. but okay, well then I'm gonna let you go. But uh I mean, we've been like talking back and forth on Twitter and Facebook like way before we started this. So, you know, I it's always a pleasure conversing Aww. with you you know it's been great my 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 uh i don't know if you heard my last podcast with uh my animated gay friend zach but I was, I was like, <laughs> yeah i was like yeah i'm gonna have eve on and he was like oh eve of england he doesn't just call Aww. it eve. And i was like yeah so um, that's so sweet
0: yeah i am <laughs> eve of england yeah
2: that's like your new title you know wicked and he he loves uh, he's he he wants to try and like buy his way into the the monarchy and the royal family
1: <laughs>
0: good luck with that mate <laughs> yeah,
2: right um but yeah you're welcome to come back on any anytime it's always oh, a pleasure to. definitely and if there are any departing words that you want to leave for you know our brethren and cestron out there
0: yeah stay strong dopey nation
2: <laughs> nice yes and you know <laughs> I know I've been like locked away in rehab, but I still, you know, you know, I love the Dopey Nation and uh, anyone who's listening out there, you know, in Dopey Nationland, like I'm still alive. I'm still here. So.
0: <laughs> alive and kicking, baby. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, hey, it was great talking to you. And um, yeah, I sure, uh, have fun tomorrow on your outing. And um, I'll, oh, message you. I'll message you on the uh, yeah. pass.
0: Enjoy your leave.
2: Thank you. Thank you. All right, take care.
0: Bye. Take care.
2: Bye. Welcome to
0: London. <laughs>